Science education, fitness too. Molecular moms got it all for you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Molecular Mom. Today, I have with me Jennifer Head. She's a PhD, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. And um, we may touch on some topics that I, I think are important to other women and STEM fields. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm Jennifer Head, as you so wonderfully introduced me. Uh, I'm a PhD, my specialty being microbiology immunology. I graduated with a thesis working with vaccine development in hemorrhagic fever viruses, and more specifically Bunia viruses. Uh, I did a lot of molecular work and um, a lot of immunology work. And when I left the field, uh, I ended up being pregnant with my daughter and went across to California from Texas and started working at the Scripps Research Institute doing um, assay development for Houdin virus. Um, after that, academia, I realized about my second year in grad school, um, I just didn't really want to be a part of it. I wanted something more laid back and something where I could do more of a nine to five and have a better chance of getting my weekends off. Right. And I applied and got a job at a local small company here uh, creating molecular diagnostic tests for women's health. So that was like chlamydia and um, gonorrhea, things like mm -hmm. that, of female specimens. And after doing that, um, I realized I really liked regulatory. Um, when you get into regulatory, you have devices and drugs and you're working with products that make a difference in patients' lives. When you're in regulatory, you have firsthand knowledge of that and you're actually interacting with everything from when it's designed all the way to when it goes into the FDA and even beyond that. Mm -hmm. So I got into a consulting job uh, at a company um, here in San Diego and it's global. So we interact with people all over the world and you have clients that do cosmetics, which I got to do some cosmetics once. That was different. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> I didn't realize that there were regulations so much around cosmetics. Apparently there is. Uh, toothpaste. And then on to, I specialize in uh, CNS drugs now. Mm. And because of how interested I got into it, I now work with controlled substances or potential mm. controlled substance. So with the, the opioid epidemic mm -hmm. and all of that, you have a lot of treatments coming out that people are worried that may become addictive. So that's where I in. Yeah, so I'm working and, and learning as I go. Now, I had very little regulatory experience prior, but it's something that you can learn on the job if you're lucky enough to get a position. So did you, did you know that when you sort of took it, or did you have some misgivings when you took a, your first role in um, going into regulatory affairs, like, oh, am I getting in over my head, or why did they hire me, sort of, why are they interested in me? Because I well, think that I faced that when I took my first sort of big leap. Oh, yeah, with the imposter. Well, the imposter syndrome was more for for academia, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I went through several degrees, had several different jobs. I worked in the medical field for a while as a medical technologist. I worked in labs doing samples and, and QC testing. And when I got into grad school, it just didn't feel like I belonged there. I was older than most students. I had more experience in the field than most students, but I just felt like I just didn't belong there. I 
I felt like that maybe somebody made a mistake. Um, it just didn't feel right. And then come fast forward now where I have some very supportive managers. I work with females now, female managers. And they've been. So is it mostly men, white men? Academia was men, all men. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I got into company I'm at now, most of them are women. And they have backgrounds that vary from political science, pharmaceuticals, chemistry. We have MDs, PhDs. And they all had the same situation as I did. You go into academia, and that, that may not be where you want to be. Uh, you may, me might be burned out on the lab work. Uh, for me, I was. I was just tired. Um, and so they ended up finding a niche for themselves. And when I step in and interview with no experience, and I told them flat out, yeah, I have very little regulatory experience, but I have the interest and I have the drive. And mm -hmm. they stepped in. They said, you know what? You have a PhD. You know, you can learn. We know you know how to learn. So let's try it out. And it just took off. Do you think part of that was because it was women sort of making the decision? Uh, yes and no. There were men involved as well. And my men counterparts, especially right now, I have some male managers and supervisors who are extremely supportive about me having a family and they're supportive about me learning. Um, and so it's overall been a great experience. Mm -hmm. uh, being in academia and in manufacturing industry was a little bit more difficult. You had more men and um, they weren't as generous at, um, when you were balanced, family uh, balance. Yeah, but with uh, this transition to a larger company, people who they didn't have enough bodies to fill these roles. There's not many people that can do regulatory affairs, mm -hmm. so they were more understanding, more open. Uh, if I went in and asked them questions, that's what they wanted. They wanted you to come in and say, "Hey, I have this problem. I've done this, this, and this." but I don't know how to get an end product. What am I forgetting? And they, oh yeah, this is how you do it. And and they could tell you how to work the system or not work the system, but how, who to talk to. Yeah, there's lots of red tape when it comes to regulatory affairs. There is. And it's funny because like with molecular diagnostics, it's such a new body that it's always changing. It's impossible to keep up with it. Right. So they're trying to regulate while it's growing. And that's something that's really interesting to me right now. Mm -hmm. Because in California, that's a major thing here is, is more right. diagnostics. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the experts are always the ones that are on the ground developing the tests in the lab. And then you try and have regulators come in and they don't know necessarily what to do yeah. because they're the experts. Yeah. So. And uh, the background that I have being on the floor in the hospital, as well as in academia and industry, I was able to... I'm able to look at a drug product, they'll hand over, you know, something and I can look at it and evaluate it. And I understand what they write in there. I understand what the processes are and where they need to go with it. Whereas a lot of people need more exposure, more experience for it. Uh, when I first learned about regulatory, uh, Texas, they don't, well, in my experience, they didn't really talk anything much more outside of academia. You went to grad school from a professor and that's it. Right. Uh, if you didn't make it, then you became like a teacher at the public you're, you're a lecturer or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't really do much and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, 
it was like you spend all this time in school and if you don't do academia, you feel like a failure. Um, like, you know, I'm not much of a teacher. You can ask my friends, I'm just mm-hmm. not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at Scripps, uh, they do a thing where they would uh, talk a lot about what to do with your PhD. Mm-hmm. Because they know that I think the the thing that they were pushing was 19% of all PhDs are unemployed. That's it. Or 13% much lower than what you would think. And they said, that's why is, is they would give you sort of the statistics on it, mm-hmm. where everybody is. And a lot of them are in industry. And then they started talking about regulatory being an up and coming field. And um, when they did that, I sat in on a couple of lectures, people who are already in the business with PhDs and MDs and PharmDs. And all of them got their job on accident, it seemed to me. And that was really scary because mm-hmm. like you have to have like do I have to have all the luck to get right there? and oh man what I mean I... a PhD is really a, a lot of hard work it is luck, but a lot of hard work yes and um but they're like well you know bring them in and I remember one woman told me because she was asking me questions because I told her I was interested in her field and we were talking and she and I kept making excuses like, well, you know, I'm just an, an MT and, and I kind of stumbled into grad school. She's like, don't ever make excuses for yourself. That's what makes you special. She's like, what you've done, learn how to take it and apply it to your advantage. Yes. Yeah. And, and I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. But now that um, I'm in my field, I'm able to do that. I'm able to take the science background and the medical and everything. And so now I actually feel like I'm in a place where I belong and I can Mm -hmm. utilize myself. Whereas before, if you don't get that chance and people are always questioning everything you do, which is what academics do, Mm -hmm. you you won't do as well, I think. But Okay. So what what sort of what would be the main pieces of advice that you would give to someone looking to get into regulatory affairs now that you've been kind of on the grind for a while? Finish grad school, get that PhD or that master's or whatever it is that you're working on. And if that's really what you want to do, there are societies in every city. Look for regulatory affairs professional networks.
Science education, fitness too. Molecular moms got it all for you. 